my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes, see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to the Podski Wee Wees. We're live, pal. The Hamilton Tiger Cats lose their season opener 42-31 to to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a wild one. I am Mike Graham, and I'm joined as always by my podcast partner, Josh Smith. Josh, what a disappointing performance from the Tiger Cats in the first half tonight, followed by a much better second half. Pretty crazy game, wasn't it? Like classic CFL in a way. You, uh... I'm sitting there at the end of the first half going, I wish I would have gone to see Transformers instead of sitting through this garbage, but pretty valiant effort in the second half, but just too many mistakes, too many miscues in the first half to overcome and another one and record to start the season. It's uh, the way it goes here in Tiger town. It looks like. Now we're going to do something a little different on uh, the post game show this year. We're just going to do a game rundown and then we'll get into individual performances afterwards. So the the game started out with a pretty good return from Woods, which was uh, a reoccurring theme on this night from him. Uh, And then the offense looked pretty good on that first drive as well, settling for three, but uh, I thought moved the ball well. Yeah, I thought the first drive was, uh, well, I guess I thought the first drive was hopefully sort of a sign of things to come. Unfortunately, in the rest of that first half, it wasn't. But yeah, I mean, you you get a good opening return. I think Lawrence Woods took it over the midfield mark. Drive stalls out, which is not what you want to see, but you end your first drive of the season with points. You're feeling pretty good about yourself, I think. So the Bombers get the ball back. Dembski fumbles. Uh, Jameer Thurman with the strip. Ticats recovered deep in Winnipeg territory. Well, relatively deep, around the 40-yard line. Uh, and then Bo Levi Mitchell throws an interception. A pretty bad throw, uh, to the sidelines there where it got picked. Uh, not not a very good decision on his part. Yeah, that was the first of the tidal wave of mistakes that I thought this game kind of started to that, – that, I mean, that's when the game really kind of got away from the team, right? Like, that should have been a throwaway. They should have been kicking for at least three there. You're thinking you're going up six. It, it's not the biggest lead in the world, and with the way the Bombers then played after that, it probably wouldn't have meant a whole lot. But – you never know. It's a sliding doors moment. You're not sure if that one play changes the momentum of the game and all that, all that other sorts of stuff. So I just don't know what Bo was thinking on that throw. I thought he was throwing it away, and I saw him try to make a a pass there. I think he was throwing to the fullback, and it was just Ill, ill-advised is the best way to put it. He just never in a million years a quarterback of that uh, – that caliber with that much experience should never, ever be throwing that pass like that. And that's what started the avalanche of, of problems for this team and, and why they were down, what was it, 29-4 at halftime. 
just can't make those mistakes. Mental errors against Winnipeg in Winnipeg are going to kill you every time. Yeah, and Winnipeg took advantage of that interception. They marched down the field, scored a touchdown. Caleros to Dembski on a corner route, seven to three bombers with six fifty four left. Uh, they really made it look easy going down the field on that drive. Yeah, you, you saw some of the flaws in Hamilton's defense, especially in the secondary, give up a couple big plays, including the touchdown catch. It was, uh, like I said, that was the start of where this thing just started to fall apart for this team, and they dug themselves in a hole that they just couldn't come back from. Now the Ticats get a rouge to make it 7-4, to four, but then Caleros to Dembski, uh, he beats Adelike again. It was, uh, he beat him a couple times on the deep ball there for – on that one, it was 47 yards. And then shortly after, Caleros to Bailey for a touchdown. It's 14-4 with 2.49 left in the first quarter. After that, James Butler fumbles the ball. Winnipeg gets it back. They end the quarter with a long TD pass to Wolotarski. It's 21-4 to at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, that's probably the first time I was saying to myself, I wish I was at the movie theater right now, not sitting there yeah. watching this game. It was, it was another play where like the first half of this game was just all bombers, and it was all mistakes by the tie catch. Uh, Kenneth George Jr. twice that I saw on big plays fell down in coverage. It just a comedy of errors to, to allow the bombers to get this lead, and it, it extends on the next drive. I believe the there was a penalty on the kickoff that pushed them back. It was just... I don't, I don't know, man. Like Talking about this first half is just depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Tigers get two penalties on a punt. They kick it out of bounds, and Omar Bayless has an unnecessary roughness penalty as well. Uh, penalties were a big thing tonight for the Tiger Cats. Uh, Winnipeg gets another three to make it 24-4 with 6.50 left in the second quarter. Uh, Bo misses Tim White on another deep throw, I, I have noted here. And uh, that was kind of a... You know, it, it he cleaned it up in the second half with his deep deep throws, I thought, but Bo missed White on a couple of deep bombs uh, in that first half. He did, and I guess what, when we get into sort of the the makeup of this game, and mm-hmm. believe it or not, I'm going to actually come out of this game with some positives that aren't just attached to the uh, the big furious comeback in the second half, and it has to do with their willingness to stretch the field in this situation. They're it's it seems as if this team is is a week or a few weeks away from really sort of starting to hit their stride like a lot of the the throws there was a lot of deep throws in this game which i think personally is a good sign we we've talked about it on the pod a bunch of times that bo said he wants to make the cfl fun again and that includes chucking it deep he was not afraid to throw it deep in this game and i think that's a good sign going forward he just needs to learn his receivers a little bit more uh-huh. because some on one of the, one of the misthrows to Tim white, it was both threw it inside. White was breaking outside. Another one was an underthrow. There was a couple of overthrows to white. There was an underthrow to Terry Godwin late in the game that would, that could, I think at the bombers by that time we're up by 11, that could have got them down into scoring range and maybe made this a much closer game. It's not there yet, but I'm willing to wait and see and, and, you know, I, I you, know, you tweet out during a game. I, I got a ton of messages just about like, you know, goofballs wanting to blow this thing up essentially at halftime, and I understand the frustration. But you can see the beginnings of something that's going to work here, in my opinion. And I'm not 
yeah, they they lost by what what was what was the final end up being forty two thirty one I think. Yeah, I'm not I'm not overly pessimistic about this loss, despite the fact that you would think from a scoreline like that you would be. And yeah, there were some misplays there, but I think as the season goes on, those, those mis miscues, those mistakes, they'll get cleaned up, and I think there there could be some chunk plays to be able for this offense to take advantage of and win games like this instead of losing them. So the Ticats end up stuffing Winnipeg third and goal. They get a turnover at the one-yard line with a minute 10 left in the second quarter. There was a weird call against Adelike on the given up safety. Um, Hated it. I didn't like it either. They said that he faked kneeling down. I didn't see that at all. Uh, no. He should, he should have been able to waste waste more time on the clock. That was the plan anyways. They they whistled the ball, the the play dead. It was just, just a very weird call by the refs. It was a bad call, in my opinion. Uh, there was another flag in this game earlier where Simone nearly had an interception, and I'm I'm assuming there was pass interference in the play, but they called it on him, and then they showed the replay on TV, and he doesn't touch anybody. So yep. I'm not sure what they were seeing there. It was not a particularly good game from the referees in this one, which is surprising because it was Andre Pru as as the as the crew chief, and his his staff is usually pretty good. I felt today that uh, much like some of the players in the Ticats, the refs might have been in a little bit of preseason mode and, and made some curious calls. This is a delicate penalty, though. I just I don't understand what they saw there. He was deking a guy out to make a miss to kill more time on the clock. It was and they mentioned on the broadcast. Wayne Ford mentioned on the broadcast, like he's clearly back there with the intention of running around. He's not back there with the intent because if you're going to do that, you snap it to the punter and he takes me right away. He's there to kill time off the clock. The idea that he was faking a knee to me is absolutely ludicrous, and uh, I just don't know what the referee saw when he threw the flag there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Winnipeg ends the half with a field goal. It's 29-4 to at halftime for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, the third quarter, Bo gets sacked early on, fumbles, Winnipeg ball. It, it looks like much of the same to start this second half here. Uh, Adelicate drops a, a sure interception in the end zone. Winnipeg ends up getting three. It's 32 to four with 10.09 left. But then the Ticats block a punt. They recover for a touchdown. F Flowers Lloyd with the block, Bayless with the TD. Uh, the two point fails. It's 32 to 10 with 7.24 left. And at this point, I mean, it could just be an isolated incident or it could be the start of a comeback. How did you feel at this point? Uh, I thought it was just, oh, it's it's a nice thing that happened, but mm -hmm. they're still going to get slaughtered. You know what I mean? Yep. But then they score again, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting my hopes up a little bit that maybe they can make this comeback. And then the Bombers score, and I'm thinking, okay, that that's it. And then everything else happens. So we, we can just keep going on. Uh, Bolivar Mitchell and White finally connect on a deep pass. On the following play, Duke Williams has a big gain. Inside to inside the five-yard line. Bo Mitchell at Tim White for the TD in the corner of the end zone. White is a little nicked up on the play, but he's fine. It's 32-17 to 17 for the Bombers with 3.16 left in the third quarter. Yeah, that's where I started to believe, but then I'm sure you're going to get into it next. Yeah, yeah. Bombers then the Bombers. The yeah. yeah, Bombers get a good return. Uh, another penalty against the Ticats, so it's just a double whammy on the return. Uh, Bombers end the quarter with a rushing TD and they're back up 39 to 17. So they, they answer back pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's when I thought, okay, the Ticats had a little mini run there. 
now we're going to get to the point where they lose this game by 25, 30 points. But that's not what happened. So we start the fourth quarter. Tetherant blows up a play in the backfield. The fumble is recovered by Chris Edwards for a touchdown. Ticats failed to get the two-point again, and it's 39-23 to with 9.30 left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was a – again, I thought this was just, oh, it's a nice play. Here we go. Uh, the defense is uh, – the funny thing was I was thinking, like, we had a special teams touchdown, we have a defensive touchdown, and they're still going to lose this game by double digits, like get blown out essentially. Because I know they ultimately did lose the game by double digits, but there's a big difference between, like, 16, 17 points and 11 points in my opinion. And I'm thinking, man, how I, I might have to look this up. I don't know if even the information is available, but a te- how often does a team lose by double digits when scoring defensively and on special teams? I still wasn't really thinking that anything could come of this. And then the kickoff happened, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, we're back in this thing. Yeah, no kidding. So Grant fumbles on the kickoff return. Sopic recovers and returns it to the Bombers' two-yard line. Uh, Butler runs it in on the next play. They get the two-point convert, and suddenly they're within one score. It's 39-31 to with tons of time left. 8.51 left on the clock. Yeah, this is when I thought, oh, my God, we're getting that Bo Levi magic. They're going to they're gonna pull this out. That's when I started to believe that they were going to win this game. But ultimately, mm-hmm. of course, we know they mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah, Seth Small takes another illegal kick out of bounds. Yeah, um, that, that was like... Come on, man. The discipline issues, the penalty issues really reared their ugly heads with this team. Muhammad Diallo took a really dumb penalty. Lawrence mm-hmm. Woods took a really dumb penalty. The kickoffs out of bounds are just inexcusable for... for. I mean, hey, maybe this is why you should show up for training camp, Seth. Like... You know, I think Flowers Lloyd took a, an unnecessary roughness penalty. Uh, ba- Omar Bayless took one as well. It's just those type of things. You can't make those mistakes against Winnipeg. They will compound and they will cost you games. And there were a lot of other reasons why the Ticats didn't win this one. But those types of mistakes, you just can't make against a team like Winnipeg. Yeah, and he did it several times. It's just like the, the field 65 yards. Like, keep it yeah. within the... Anyways, the the Bombers get three out of that drive, and now they're up 42-31 to with 4.54 left. Uh, The Ticats are kind of driving. They put the field goal unit out on third down. Uh, Very weird play. The the, the staff doesn't get off. They call a timeout. They put the offense back on the field. Mitchell gets sacked, and essentially that's the end of the game. Yeah, and it was Joel Figueroa who got beat like a drum on that one. Not yep. uh, not what you would hope to see in a gotta-have-a-play from your really expensive left tackle. But, I mean, the, they had obviously had offensive line issues. Uh, I think both Tyrone Riley and we, – we know Kyle Saxon went down, but I think Tyrone Riley went down as well. They had someone in there on from the defensive line playing guard, and they threw Revenberg over at tackle. I'm not sure who it was. I think it might have been Casey Sales, but he was wearing – uh, a nameless number 59 jersey as, as an offensive lineman. So I'm not entirely sure who went in there for him. I think just based on – because he had a, sleeve, a tattoo sleeve, I think it was Casey Sales, but I'm not entirely sure. But it's still – Joel Figueroa is, was brought in with the express desire for this team to not have plays like that happen. 
and on the biggest play of the game, the, the gotta have it play, he came up, he came up small. No, there's, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. And what do you, like, I don't know if it would have mattered, but I, I'm taking that field goal. I think at that point, it's only a 51 yarder. Uh, I know it would be better to get the touchdown first. You got to get a field goal and a touchdown, but if you waste enough time, then you have to get the onside kick as well. Um, do you question that call or, or, or is, uh, is it insequential? I mean, I'm always, I'm, I'm aggressive. I always want to go for, for, I mean, in this point, at this point it would have been eight cause you have to go for the two point cover. I always want to go for it. And a 51 yard, 52 yard field goal is not exactly a gimme. I mean, for Seth small, it's pretty good, but his kicks were off tonight. He, his kickoffs mm-hmm. weren't, weren't great. So what I don't understand is it looked as if it, there could have been a fake on, if you're going to do that, just put the offense on the field because that's what they're there for. Don't have your backup quarterback and third string linebacker and fourth string fullback out there to catch passes or try to, it's too late in the game to be trying to catch them off guard. Just go let your guys go out there and and do what they do. Um, Either or if they would have gone for the field goal and made it fine, if they would have gone for it and not done the rigmarole with, with the field goal unit out there, I would have been fine with that too. Like just, just make a decision and go with it. It looked like they were kind of, in some sort of weird middle ground. And a lot mm-hmm. of times tonight, I'm curious to get your opinion on this. It looked like they were at a sink. Like there was, Bo had a fumble, uh, got pressure, got to him and he fumbled and Winnipeg recovered. And it looked going into that play as if it was a bit of a cluster and you could, they, the offense didn't really know what the hell was going on. And it was the same on this. It's like, was it a fake? Do you, if you go back and watch, you see a guy peel off the line and go down like further to, towards the sideline and the way Seth kicked it, like he ran up before the ball was snapped and the way he kicked it, it felt as if he yeah. was doing some sort of onside kick. It just, it just looked like a complete mess. And if you're going to do that, just if you're, if, if you're going for a fake, put the offense out there, let the offense go try to get your 10, 11 yards to pick up the first down. Don't try to get all cute at that point in the game. Cause you're down by 11. You got to get points. So if you're going to fake the field goal, then that means you weren't going to go for it anyway. Just put the offense in the field, and let them do their job. So Bo Levi Mitchell's first game as a Tiger Cat in the regular season. How do you think he fared overall? Fine. I give it probably a C minus if we're grading the performance. He made some mistakes. He's the connection with his receivers, especially deep, is clearly not there. He's got to work on his connection with Tim White because they even started missing some some shorter passes. I think he was he was fine. There's clear you, you saw what he like there's some good stuff there, but there's also plenty that needs to be worked on. So, like I said, if if, if we're handing out grades tonight, I'd give him around a C minus. What about you? Yeah, I'd be around that as well. I thought obviously he had a much stronger second half, um, but you know a lot of those points didn't really come from him, right? It didn't really come from the offense. It was special teams, defense, and all that stuff that was a big part of that second half comeback. So, yeah, I'd be with you. C C minus seems fair to me. Uh, now they worked a lot in the off season on that offensive line. How do you think they did in their first game? Eh, hit or miss. Again, I, I think what we're going to talk about with most of the people on this team tonight, with the exception of one person, in my opinion, it's going to be a lot of, it's a mixed bag for a lot of these guys. You know what I mean? So the offensive line, I think they gave up three sacks tonight. And I know people, oh, they gave up three sacks. And, and then that kind of hurts your, uh, they're going to give up under 20 on the season bold prediction from our season preview show uh, earlier this week. But at the same time, 
three sacks against that defensive front, I, I think I take that. Willie Jefferson made a handful of really good plays, but I think for the most part, the line was fine. They did, I think the Ticats ran the ball really well, which I think was a product of the offensive line. Again, I'd probably give them a C grade as well. There's clearly room for improvement, but it didn't look anywhere near as out of sync or as terrible as it did in the season opener a year ago when they looked completely outmatched by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it looked like it was going to be just an, a horrendous season for the offensive line. I thought the unit showed splashes today of, of being competent. And I think as they, again, much like every more and more cohesion there, I think we'll start to turn around pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I, I like the way that they blocked for James Butler. I think he had 66 yards on the night for an average of, of six yards, which is, which is a very good average. So it's fantastic. Uh, and I thought, yeah, and I thought they they blocked well for Bo Levi Mitchell. I know the three sacks were there, but like you said, it's against the Winnipeg defensive front that's going to get pressure against any offensive line. So uh, overall, I like what I saw, and uh, hopefully going forward, those injuries aren't you know sacks that went down, rally went down. Hopefully, they're not too serious. Uh, okay, you know we we talked on the we talked a bit about the run game there, so we don't really have to get too deep into it. James Butler looked pretty good, I thought. Um, the receivers did any receivers stand out to you? I know that there was a miss passes to Tim White uh, downfield a lot, but uh, you know some guys in the second half kind of stood out. I'm gonna be pumping this kid's tires all year. Keandre Smith, I thought was the best receiver on this team tonight. He had four catches, 39 yards, not exactly eye-popping numbers, but Bo went to him twice on key second downs. I just think that this kid can be a star. I think he's going to get the opportunity to put together a really solid season. I mean, Bo only threw for 187 yards, so the, the receiving numbers don't pop off the page. But I thought Duke played really well, but I don't think that they targeted him enough. He went like a half of the game. With, like He catches, I believe, the first pass of the game. And I don't think they throw his way again until like midway through the third quarter. That just can't happen. He had a chance to make a couple of really nice plays. He catches the two-point convert. That makes it uh, an eight-point game late in the fourth quarter. So those are the two guys. Like Tim White, again, I think that that connection will eventually solidify. I'm not worried about it. I think they do need to find a way to just keep Keandre Smith in the game and to find a way to – to get more balls into Duke Williams' hands because I think he could be a difference maker on the side. He said he's had the big catch – that set up, I think it was the – was no, it wasn't the James Butler touchdown. Who was the touchdown? Oh, it was the Tim White touchdown. He had the big catch that set him up inside the 10-yard the line. So they need to find a way to get Duke more involved because I think he could be a difference maker for this offense. Now, the defensive line, did you – what did you think of them? I didn't really see a lot of pressure from them, but then they, they came up with a big play in the second half with uh, Ted Laurent breaking it up, a big play in the backfield. But overall, uh, not overly impressed with the D-line. But there was a lot of injuries, no. right? They're not, they're not running at uh, with all their horses, per se. No, Dylan Wynn's not out there. Uh, Muhammad Diallo basically taking a spot there, had maybe the biggest bonehead play of the day when, as Dwayne Ford called it, he goes for a King Kong Bundy splash. Someone, I wish I had my, my Twitter on right now. I could tell you someone got at me and said, it looked like the big daddy V sort of uh splash and hump that he used to do back in the day. Just a bonehead of play. And what is up with you, Garrett Davis? Is he, is, is his head in the game? Cause it sure looked like there were times out there 
where he looked completely lost. And having seen him do very little work at practice and during training camp, I'm I'm starting to wonder why he's even on the team, if I'm being quite honest with you, because he's just looked lethargic. He looks like he's unengaged. Like, I just don't know what's going on with him. I thought he was invisible today, which is carrying over from how he played last year in Toronto, where I thought he was a complete non-factor. So I, I don't know. I just I wasn't overly impressed with the defensive line. Malik Carney had a couple of nice plays, and I think I think he he was one of the few lone bright spots there. Teddy's big play to force the fumble as well. But no, wasn't overly impressed with the defensive line. And and I really need to see more out of Garrett Davis if he's gonna if he's gonna continue to be one of the anchors of this defensive line. Now the defensive backfield, the D line didn't really help them out a lot by getting pressure. Uh, kind of hung them out to dry. I thought. What do you think about the defensive backfield tonight? Well, first half they were awful. Kenneth George mm-hmm. Jr. played like a rookie. JV and Elliott was getting beat. The Bombers were wide open. Second half they it, it got better. The defense yep. got better as a whole, and I think the secondary got better. I don't think you heard you didn't hear George's name at all in the second half. I, I just think again it's it's one of those things where. It's trial by fire. They they went in there. They went against a really good offense, a really good quarterback who is especially good at improvising. And Zach made those types of plays. He he would escape the pocket and find guys deep. And there were some questionable defensive strategies, in my opinion. I don't know why you have two day delicate playing so deep, being the man in coverage on someone like Nick Dembski, and then that just leaves Dembski open. Like, and Adelike is a great player. I think he's the best Canadian safety in the game. I think he might be the best safety in the game, but even he's not Superman. He can't get over there fast enough. So I think that there was some coaching issues on that side of the ball. Yeah. The, again, it, it's a tale of two halves in this game. It was a, a horrendous first half and, and a really good second half. And I think the way the secondary played kind of reflects that as well. A guy that played in the secondary was Lawrence Woods, but he also was returning the ball tonight. And every time he touched it, it seemed like he had a a, a nice return, a, a large return. So it's nice to see him uh, getting, you know, big yardage in that return game. I agree. I agree. I, I was questioning and I still question the idea of having him play both field corner and out there returning, but it didn't seem to hurt him. I think he really only got beat once tonight on a – I think Drew Wolotarski beat him for a, for a pretty big pickup early in the game. But the value he adds to special teams, I, it's it's something you're going to have to deal with because I think he's – as good as Leandre Gallimore was in the, in the preseason, Lawrence Woods is on a different level when it comes to this return stuff. And, I mean, the special teams as a whole, I thought, aside from Seth Mall's kicking, I thought was really good. So, yeah, I think you got to keep Woodsy out there, I think – if you're going to play him both ways, he's, he's got to stick in that return game because I think he's too valuable there to get let him go. So we touched on a little bit, but the, the penalties were out of control tonight. That's something they got to clean up, eh? Yeah, and it wasn't just penalties because penalties happened. It was the undisciplined penalties. It's yep. Lawrence Woods kicking the ball at a player. It's hitting guys out of bounds. It's Muhammad Diallo dry humping someone. You know what I mean? It's it's those types of like I can deal with a holding call or an offside call or a pass interference call. That's part of the regular flow of the game and stuff like that happens. It's the nonsense stuff that I think really hurt this team. And I think it's one of the reasons that they ultimately failed in this game is they kept shooting themselves in the foot with those idiotic penalties, putting themselves in a hole and not being able to to get out of it. Yeah, that stuff's got to get cleaned up and it's got to get cleaned up pretty quick. 
So you wanted to comment on a tweet uh, from Mr. Ted Michaels. And the tweet goes as yes. such. Yeah, I'll, I'll see the tweet and we'll, we'll get into it. It's uh, hashtag Thai cats have been outcoached, have no discipline and no emotion. So what's changed? Question mark. And before you jump all over me, look at the other team. Agree. And then he tagged Marty York. Well, I mean, if you're tagging Marty York, you're a moron, but that's <laughs> neither, neither here nor there. That tweet was sent around halftime. And you, how, do you, how are you undisciplined and showing no emotion? Their, their problem was they were showing too much emotion. That's why they're getting into those undisciplined situations. So that's an oxymoron there. Those are contradictory statements. But the thing is about, to me is about being outcoached. I don't think they were outcoached. The players just weren't making plays. Bo was missing throws. Guys were dropping passes. Players were making mistakes. This is not a, a coaching issue. This is that's a player issue. And you can coach guys until you're blue in the face, but that's not going to stop them from dropping passes or fumbling. Like they turned the ball over too much. They made too many mistakes. And that's the players. That's not you think the coaches are out there going, James Butler, be cavalier with the football. Don't worry about a fumble. Or Bo, yeah, go underthrow and overthrow pass. Like I just like it's such a simplistic comment to make like there's no nuance there if you were watching that game to me it was and, and okay so in the first half of it's a coach just do the coaches deserve all the credit for the great comeback in the second half like you can't have it both ways you know what i mean like to me the issue wasn't coaching in this one I, except for i talked about the defensive stuff i think there was a little little problem there i thought the play calling on offense was fine i didn't love the challenge that orlando had early in the game but i understand why he did it because that could have been a big momentum swing not like it mattered. He wouldn't have, it's not like anything was really challengeable late in the game. So it's not as if he quote unquote wasted it. I just think the idea that, that, that it was a coaching issue to me is just, you're not watching the same game. I am. If, if that's the conclusions you draw, do you think I'm crazy at this? Do you think tonight was a coaching problem or are you with me? You think it was, it was a player issue. Players just didn't execute as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that it was just, uh, they didn't execute on the field. They weren't ready uh to play in that first half obviously they got a talking to in the locker room at halftime and they came out and uh, orlando steinauer said you're gonna see a different team in the second half on his tsn interview and and that's exactly what we saw they were much more up for the game in the second half and listen it's only the first game so i'm not ready to hit panic mode yet um we saw a lot of good things tonight and the stuff that we saw that was bad i think can be fixed so uh, exactly okay. that's that's exactly what i was going to say too it's the issues were execution and discipline and those things can be corrected it's not as if we didn't see this team play its best and get walked off the field you know what i mean like we saw them play maybe the worst half of football we'll see them play all year and yet they were still in this with five minutes left in the game less than five minutes left in the game so the, the mistakes, the, the negativity and the, the anger that fans have after starting another season 0-1, after coming out flat in another season opener, totally justifiable, totally understandable. But I think there's enough here where you can go, well, if this play goes this way, and like they just didn't have the plays go their way. But I thought their ability to take shots deep, that will improve. And once that improves, those underthrows and those misthrows, they're touchdowns. There's a touchdown there to, to Tim White. Maybe a couple of touchdowns to Tim White. There's another touchdown to uh, Terry Godwin. There's plays, you know what I mean? Like when those things start clicking, you're going to see this team put up some pretty big points and win these types of football games. So 
I understand after a game like this that was really up and down, blood pressure was spiking, the heart's pumping, and you you lose by double digits, you're you're angry and you're frustrated because you're thinking, here we go again. But I think in watching this game, I won't say that I am more confident this team is going to turn this thing around and be good this year, but I'm no less confident than I was at the start of the season at thinking this is still a good football team. They just need time together. They just need to build cohesion. They just need to gel and the wins will start piling up. Like, I don't think this is a situation like last year because I think they could go into Toronto next week and lose and people will be thinking, oh my God, another 0-2 start. I don't think this is the same team that we saw last year. I think their mental makeup is much better. And I think it's just, they overhauled the roster so much that takes time to fix. You can't just build that in preseason and in training camp over three and a half weeks, two and a half weeks. You need real game action. We saw as the game went on, they got better. I think that will carry over. And yeah, maybe this team starts one and three, but I think by the end of the year, by the time when you want your team to be clicking the most, these, these mistakes, these miscues will be out of their system. And I think this team's going to win a lot of football games this year. So I'm still 10 toes down in the tie cats to win in the great cup. I'm not wavering on that just because they lost by 11 to a, to a team they might face in the playoffs anyway. So I, maybe people don't want to hear positive. He's 10 toes down, folks. He's 10 toes ten down. 10 toes down. 10 toes I down. See, you're, not, you're do- obviously, uh, first things first to watch here, right? That's I a Chris Broussard thing, isn't it? First. There I you is. go. I stole that from there Chris. I stole that from Drew. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but I am. I'm 10 toes down. I'm not basing my voice, as you can hear. Not. I'm not wavering. I still think this is going to be a good football team this year. All right, let's get into the Twitter questions slash comments. We won't get into all of them because there's a lot of them and it's getting a little bit late but uh, let's dive in here the first one comes from adam stalker five out of six seasons with a with a week one double digit loss Bo looked as bad as our qbs last year five and a half yards per attempt is david watford slash jamie newen level d-line and secondary were awful offensive line was disappointing the team was undisciplined the only positive was the special teams jeff reinbold remains the king No, no, we're not giving Jeff credit for this. I've been at practice. It's Charlie Taggart, the assistant special teams coach. We got to start giving him some love. He's doing a bulk of the coaching with special teams because Jeff is really working with defensive backs a lot. I'm giving Charlie Taggart his flowers here. He's the one running some of these drills. He's the one that I saw through training camp doing, doing uh, the blocking, the, the uh, punt blocking stuff. We got to give Charlie Taggart some love. So I'm going to, I'm going to give out an assistant coach love here with Charlie Taggart, but I mean, I don't disagree with what he said. It wasn't a good game, but at the same time, I think those things that he's that Adam is complaining about. And Adam's a very astute fan, but I think some of the things he's complaining about in in a month's time, we won't be talking about at all. From Corey Allen, extremely undisciplined all game. Number three had a rough first game. Both started to gel, then White went down. Questionable coaching. But we saw things come together, lots of new parts that need to play a few games before we can worry. Better outcome than what I was expecting mid-fourth. Yeah, look, here's the thing. If 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 a month from now, let, let's set it now, a month from now, this team's still making these same mistakes, then we can have a conversation about being worried. But game one, ups and downs. I mean, look at the Bombers. The Bombers were up, what was it, 30, was it 32? No, they were up 29 to 4 at halftime. And they scored 13 points in the second half. So I know the score, obviously, the Bombers won. But if you're a Bomber fan, you're looking at the final score going, great game. You saw that first half, you're going, oh, they dominated. But 
they kind of got their tail kicked in in the second half. So both of these teams can come out of here with with some interesting, maybe interesting things to work on, or you know what I mean? Like no game is a perfect game. The Ticats obviously didn't play anywhere near a perfect game. Let's let let's let's revisit this these concerns in a month's time, and then we'll we'll know for certain if this team is uh, where I think they're going to be or where some fans on on the negative Nelly scale think. I'm not saying Corey's that way. I'm just saying there's a lot of negativity out there tonight because of how this game went. Let, let's come back to this in a month, and we'll see where the Ticats stand. From Bill Malley, I expected a beat down by Winnipeg, so I'm actually feeling optimistic. Ticats didn't quit and fought back. Yes, there were crazy bounces. But that's the CFL. Which team has more room to grow? Hamilton by far. It's a long season, so let's not panic. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty astute conversation. I think that's a pretty astute point. I just, yeah, I'm not panicking. I'm, I'm just as high on this team as I was uh, yesterday. From Gavin Bailey, this connection between Bo and White doesn't seem to be there. Is there rust on Bo? Is that why he is over under throwing receivers? Is our secondary up to snuff? I think it's just he's not he doesn't know his receivers' tendencies yet. They've been working together for less than a month and no amount of off season throwing and stuff like you can't replicate what guys do in a game. And I think it I think it's simply just a matter of they have to play more games together. And I think that that's that these connections will come. I mean Tim White had a connection with Dane Evans last year and started off the season very slowly. Like they mentioned on the broadcast after a first, a terrible first half. Oh, Tim White doesn't usually have games like this. It's like, go look at his game by game stats from last season. He didn't really start picking it up until like Labor Day ish. And that's when he kind of started like rolling together multi touchdown and 100 yard games back to back to back. But to start the season, he, he started pretty slow too. So again, I, I just think it's it's early season stuff and, and all of the, uh, all, all of these things will get worked out in the, in the course of the next few weeks. And we'll be talking, we'll be seeing two or three of these big time connections between those guys a game. And we'll forget everything that happened tonight. From P K A T. Okay. P K A tie cat fan. Uh, I got beef with you, buddy. I got beef with this guy. He has my avatar. No one has that avatar except me. And he has, <laughs> he has my old man tie cat guy. As uh, anyways, it's it's all right. I forget. Uh, same shit, different. Wait, wait, year. wait, wait. You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me that that picture's not you? <laughs> you know, no. Uh, maybe, maybe at a future date. Like maybe, like as as I get older, I might look like that, but uh, not at this point. No. Uh, same shit. Same shit, different year. How long before cat fans start turning on BLM like they did Evans? Management is the issue. They waste money and bring in the wrong players. I also blame oh Condell. One game. <laughs> Offense is still crap like last year's. How dare you steal my avatar? Moving on. Uh, did okay, he, did from... he also steal your ne- did he steal your negativity too? Because not <laughs> I'm not saying you're like that, but you you've been known to to hue into the this all sucks. Of course. Of course. Just, it's one game. Against the team that everyone thinks is going to – the favorites, the betting favorites to win the to win the Grey Cup, they go into their home turf in game one and get beat. I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, we when we talked about this game, I didn't think they were going to win. I was hoping they'd keep it close. They didn't. They, they got it close, but they didn't keep it close. To me, this was – every year, and I think I said this on the season preview show, I sit down with the schedule and I – 
objectively look at the schedule and I try to figure out where the teams are going to finish. Not once did I ever have the Ticats winning this game. Like I tried to, in my mind, think of, okay, what needs to happen for them to win this game? And it, it took essentially a perfect storm of, okay, Winnipeg's old. Like, you know, you have to like twist yourself into a pretzel to think the Cats were going to win this. I never thought they were going to win this game. I was hoping, and I think we talked about this on the pod this week, hoping that they'd show enough where they don't embarrass themselves. And for a half of this game, they did embarrass themselves. And then for half of the game, they didn't. It's just, it's one game. It's one game against a team that's going to be really good this year. I, I don't see the reason to freak out. From Mappy Derek, is kicking an issue, especially on kickoffs, that late kick out of bounds hurt? Yeah, the one that set up Winnipeg with decent field position that gave them the field goal to put them up two scores was a killer. But I, I but I'm like not worried Seth about Seth Small. You'll be fine. No, yeah, last year he gave us enough where he we're if it continues and he's going to become the next Liram Hyralahu and lose his name. But other than that, if if it's a one off, not concerned. If it continues throughout throughout the next couple of weeks, well, Seth Small becomes just the kicker, just like Liram did the year he couldn't keep the ball in bounds either. But one game, not going to freak out. We're just going to leave it at that. The real question is, Josh, where are they going to like? Where are they going to be on the the scale of doom, Mike's Scale of wow. doom. You know, it's early I'm on, curious. but I could I could rate them high. You know, well, you know, you want to be at that one two level. But I don't know if I can put them in there anymore after this one. So uh, it's interesting. Interesting. Uh, what else Mike's, we got here? For those that for those that don't know, because people are like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. Mike yeah. Scale of Doom. If if you've noticed uh, this past weekend, we or I guess not this past weekend. It's it's midnight on Saturday. But this past week, we started a Patreon page. We're gonna have a ton of bonus content out there. Uh, our gambling show, which if you listen to that, it's gonna be housed there. Uh, I just recorded and put out my first What's Happened in Tiger Town episode today and kind of a lead-up preview of the game tonight. Uh, but Mike's going to have his own show. He's calling it Podsky Wawa, which is a great companion piece to Podsky Lee. It's a great name that Mike came up with. And one of the bits he's going to do on the show is a scale of doom, is sort of his confidence in the Tiger Cats. So if you want to know what to expect or what if you want to hear that, you want to kind of know what Mike's thinking on where the team's at, Sign up over on Patreon. Uh, we got three tiers there that you can sign up for. You're helping out the show. We're going to use all the money we get to try to improve the show in a lot of ways. It's also going to allow us to give you guys more content. So uh, head on over there. You'll, you'll get – Mike, you're playing on what, uh, Monday release, as far as I know, for, for the show? Yeah, after – I'm going to do an O-line power rankings as well. So after all the games wrap up, then I'll, I'll record and hopefully be out on Monday, yes. That's the plan. So if you want to know where the Ticats rank after tonight on the scale of doom, you're going to have to go sign over on Patreon. All right. Plug out of the way. Let's keep going. All right. From Chris, gold bow tie for life. Cats had to beat the Bombers, refs, as well as themselves. Played pretty good, all things considered. In all seriousness, hearing IG Field go silent a few times was worse suffering the first half. Regroup and kick ass next game. Yeah, I don't know if um, if I'd say they had to beat the refs. I just the there were some questionable calls, but I don't think the refereeing had a major impact on the game. I mean, the Ticats did themselves no favors with the flags by being boneheads. But aside from the Adelicate one, I didn't really think that there was a lot of terrible, pardon me, terrible calls or terrible missed calls. So 
I, I wouldn't necessarily hang hang this uh, any part of this loss on on the guys in, in uh, the the stripes there. Yeah, I mean, the rest of what he said, I guess, is is pretty accurate. It was it was fun watching the Ticats make that comeback and kind of gave kind of gave me flashbacks of uh, your favorite regular season game out in Edmonton where Mazzoli mm-hmm. did the same sort of thing. It kind of gave me flashbacks to that, thinking, oh, yeah, is you're really quiet there after such a big first half, but. Unfortunately, this game didn't end as well as that one did. I will get out of here on this one from Ari Cates. How do you develop any offensive rhythm if you're not connecting on the short passing game first and making consecutive first downs? Offensive play calling with so many long bombs, very suspect. If White is hurt, big problems. Yeah, but that's what Bo wants to do. He made that abundantly clear when he, in his introductory press conference after he signed his extension, he wants to throw the ball deep. So if he wants to throw the ball deep, the offense, the offensive coordinator is going to listen to his quarterback. If that's what he wants to do, that's what this team's going to do. You can question on second and four, should you be thrown at 40 yards downfield? But if he makes those catches, you're not complaining. It's just the, again, we're going to see in games later in this season, there's going to be a situation just like we saw tonight they're going to chuck one deep and Duke or Keandre or Timmy or whomever's out there is going to come down with it and people are going to lose their minds. So again, you, you do things sometimes in a game to set up things for later. You do some things in a game to see what you can do for later in the season. I don't, I'm not putting I don't think the play calling was bad tonight. I don't, they ran the ball effectively. Mm-hmm. They probably didn't run it enough, but I mean, after James Butler puts two on the ground, you're a little bit skittish about using them. And they were down so much that you can't really run the ball when you're losing a game 32-10. You know what I mean? So if, if this team's playing closer games, I thought they mixed the run in the past well. Bo was just a little off. But, like, everyone has a hand in this. I just don't think that there's – this to me doesn't doesn't – this outcome doesn't come off to me as, like, same old tie catch. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm with you on that. I don't think it's time to panic, but uh, I just want to thank everyone who joined us tonight. Uh, Anyone who listens to the podcast, we really appreciate it. I am Mike Graham. Eat them raw. I'm Josh Smith. Eat them raw. Come join us on Patreon.